Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. I'm so grateful to be here today again and to have this opportunity. I praise Yahweh for it. I'm thankful for life each and every day. And I'm thankful that we can gather in this place and celebrate the Sabbath day this special day of rest and worship that Yahweh ordained from the beginning. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about those beginnings today, quite a bit more about them. And as we celebrate this day, keep in mind that we are celebrating a day that Yahweh made, the Sabbath day. And my topic today is the scriptural day. When does the scriptural day begin? In the morning or in the evening? What period constitutes keeping a day holy? You know, I mentioned that we are keeping this day, the Sabbath day that Yahweh commands us to keep. He commands us to remember it, to keep it holy. What period constitutes keeping a day holy? Observance during the daylight hours only or observance for an entire 24 hours? And why is this important? Because it affects the observances of the weekly and annual Sabbaths of Scripture. It affects how we observe this day today. So there is a position called the morning theory or the day only theory. These terms refer to the assertion that the scriptural day begins in the morning rather than in the evening. Additionally, some assert that the observance of the Sabbath is during the daylight hours only, rather than 24 hours. Another term used for the doctrine that the scriptural day begins in the morning is the day-spring doctrine, which stems from an 11-20-1994 paper entitled The Day-Spring by Craig Peters. And I'll refer to that paper uh, throughout this presentation from time to time to document morning theory or day-spring stances. There's also something I wanted to throw in here about the 6 p.m. reckoning. Another view claims that the beginning of the scriptural day is 6 p.m. However, the Encyclopedia Judaica explains that 6 p.m. is used in connection with the reckonings of the molad, the molad being a Hebrew word meaning the conjunction, and not the beginning and end of the Sabbath. Here is that quote from the calendar article and in the Encyclopedia Judaica. Quote, for ritual purposes, for example, in reckoning the times fixed for prayers or the commencement and termination of the Sabbath, the day is deemed to begin at sunset. But in the reckonings of the molad, The day is the equatorial day of 24 hours of unvarying length and is deemed to commence at 6 p.m., probably in terms of local Jerusalem time. And so there we have an explanation of this idea of a day beginning at 6 p.m., and it has nothing to do with the actual beginning of a scriptural day or the beginning of the observance of the Sabbath. It is something in connection with the conjunction Uh, of the moon, uh, which occurs one time per month. And then there is the evening to evening stance. 
In this presentation, I assert the following and cite scripture and reference sources to support these conclusions. The 24-hour scriptural day begins in the evening. Depending on the context, the word day can refer to daylight hours or denote a 24-hour calendar day. In the Bible, the word day sometimes refers to events that occurred specifically at night, thus showing that a calendar day includes night. And we will see some of those scriptures later. Very, very important in the study of this subject is that context determines the application. <clears throat> I'd also like to present some documentation from reference works, first being Strong's Dictionary. For the Hebrew word yom, meaning day, such as you've probably heard of the term yom kippur, which is the day of atonement. For the Hebrew word yom, meaning day, Strong's Dictionary states, from an unused root meaning to be hot, a day, as the warm hours, whether literally from sunset to sunset or from one sunset to the next. And I emphasize some of those statements there because we should be very careful to beware of selective citations. If we quoted only the first part of that definition, to be hot a day as the warm hours from sunrise to sunset, we could go about from there establishing that a day is from sunrise to sunset. But that's not the full dictionary entry. As you can see, the latter part of that entry also says, from one sunset to the next. And so again, I repeat, the application depends upon the context. Also from the Jewish Encyclopedia, in its article, Day, Hebrew Yom, it states, quote, in the Bible, the season of light, Genesis 1-5, lasting from dawn, literally the rising of the morning, to the coming forth of the stars, Nehemiah 4, 15, and 17. It goes on to say, again, beware of selective citations. It goes on to say, the term day is used also to denote a period of 24 hours, Exodus 21, 21. The day is reckoned from evening to evening, that is, night and day, except in reference to sacrifices where daytime and the night following constitute one day, Leviticus 7, 15. Now let's look at a quote from the Encyclopedia Judaica. The Encyclopedia Judaica explains that the 24-hour calendar day was divided into 12 hours of day and 12 hours of night, and the duration of these hours was adjusted as needed throughout the year. So think of how that right now we are in the midst of summertime and we have a long period of daylight. Consequently, if we, were divide, if we were to divide that period into 12 equal sections, our hours would be much longer than they are at the opposite time of year, around the latter part of December, when we don't have much daylight. But if we, again, divide that period of daylight into 12 sections, we would still have 12 what we would call hours, but they would be shorter. So the duration is adjusted. The Encyclopedia Judaica says, quote, 
The day is deemed to begin at sunset or at the end of twilight, and it's 24 hours, 12 in the day and 12 in the night, are temporary hours varying in length with the respective length of the periods of light and darkness. Also, the Jewish historian Josephus described the beginning and end of the Sabbath as follows, quote, One of the priests stood, of course, and gave a signal beforehand with a trumpet at the beginning of every seventh day in the evening twilight, as also at the evening when that day was finished, as giving notice to the people when they were to leave off work and when they were to go to work again, end quote. And so when did this signal occur? It occurred in the evening when work was to cease beginning the Sabbath and then when work was to begin again after the conclusion of the Sabbath 24 hours later. Also, Alfred Edersheim noted in his work, The Temple, Its Ministry and Services, quote, the Jews reckoned the day from evening to evening, end quote. These references acknowledge the different usages of day, and the Bible also does, as this study will show. Now, one thing we should look at is, is the evening-to-evening day a Babylonian day? Because this is what we will hear, that the evening-to-evening day is a Babylonian day and thus should be gotten rid of. Some allege that the evening-to-evening reckoning of a day originated in Babylon. However, the following reference works state the exact opposite. The article Day in the World Book Encyclopedia says, quote, The Babylonians began their day at sunrise. The ancient Jews began the day at sunset. The Egyptians and the Romans were the first to begin the day at midnight, end quote. Also, the article calendar from the Pictorial Bible Dictionary, quote, while the Babylonian day, like that of most Near Easterners, began at sunrise, the Jewish day began at sunset, end quote. Let's also make another observation about post-exile Jews and the Sabbath. Opposite to the documentation I just presented, the morning theory alleges that the Jews adopted an evening-to-evening day during their exile in Babylon. The exile in Babylon was around 586 to 516 BCE, the other side of where we are now, so in the neighborhood of about 2,500 years ago. However, about 500 years later, after the Babylonian exile, Yeshua did not rebuke the post-exile Jews of his era concerning their evening-to-evening Sabbath observance. This is telling. In this section, I want to talk about how we should avoid out-of-context comparisons. And I want to use for this example Ephesians 5.8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Master. Walk as children of light. Morning theory supporters sometimes claim we are children of the light, thus implying that those who reckon that a scriptural day begins in the evening are in spiritual darkness. 
Nevertheless, this comparison between spiritual light and darkness and literal day and night is out of context. For both day and night are Yahweh's. Psalm 74, 16. The day is yours, the night also is yours. You have prepared the light and the sun. Psalm 104.20, you make darkness and it is night in which all the beasts of the forest creep about. Isaiah 45.7, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, Yahweh, do all these things. The literal night is Yahweh's. He created it and owns it, and yet he is not in spiritual darkness. See, this is the difference between context. Look at 1 John 1, 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that Yahweh is light and in him is no darkness at all. These verses demonstrate the importance of avoiding out-of-context comparisons between literal day and night and spiritual light and darkness rightly dividing the word of truth, as mentioned in 2 Timothy 2.15. There are additional verses that we should be aware of to avoid out-of-context comparisons. So we should exercise caution about these. Matthew 5.14 says, Speaking of Yeshua's disciples, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Metaphorically speaking, followers of Yeshua are the light of the world because they make the truth easier for others to see. That is, easier to comprehend. The context of this statement is not literal daylight, nor does it determine when a calendar day begins. And we'll look at some additional example verses to follow But just let me say while I'm talking about this this metaphor, you are the light of the world. What is a metaphor? A metaphor is a figure of speech where one thing is actually called something else because of a common attribute. And so the disciples are referred to as the light of the world because they have a common attribute with daylight of making things easier to see. But once again, it's a figure of speech. The disciples are the light of the world because they make truth easier to see, easier to comprehend. So again, the context of the statement is not literal daylight. So now let's look at some of these additional example verses. In John 3, 19 through 21, it talks about how men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And some of these I'm not going to read all of the passage because of time's sake. But nevertheless, John 3, 19 through 21 is another passage to be aware of. Also, John 8, 12, it says in the latter part of the verse, He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light. What type of light? The light of life. Again, the context here is figurative, not literal the light of life, not literal daylight. Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against what type of hosts? Spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Spiritual darkness 
is the context of this verse. It has nothing to do with determining the literal beginning of a day. Also, Colossians 1, 12 through 13, speaks of how he, we have been delivered from the power of darkness. 1 Peter 2, 9 talks about him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then I want to spend just a little more time on 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 8. The passage says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Please notice, part of being sons of the day in verse 5 is not sleeping in verse 6. If taken out of context, one might conclude that we should never sleep. This example demonstrates the damage done by out-of-context, misapplied comparisons. The context of this passage has nothing nothing to do with denoting when the literal 24-hour scriptural day begins. Instead, it addresses spiritual alertness. Let's look at some associations tied to daytime and nighttime. The morning theory associates positive attributes with daytime and negative attributes with nighttime. However, Scripture illustrates daytime as having dangers of its own. Psalm 91, 5 through 6. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Psalm 121.6, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. In context, these scriptures make observations about perils that exist both night and day, but they do not define when to begin the scriptural calendar day. And so to summarize regarding out-of-context comparisons, concerning spiritual darkness, indeed, there is no darkness in Yahweh, and we should be children of light and sons of the day. However, concerning literal days and nights, Scripture states that both day and night, light and darkness, belong to Yahweh. Therefore, avoid out-of-context comparisons between spiritual light and darkness and literal day and night. Now I want to spend some time going through the first chapter of Genesis. Let's make some observations there. Let's start with verses 1, 1 through 2 in the very beginning. A morning theory assertion is that Yahweh did none of his work at night. Therefore, the scriptural day begins with light followed by darkness. But notice Genesis 1, 1 through 2 informs us that in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth and darkness was on the face of the deep. Genesis 1, 1 through 2, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth The earth was without form and void, and darkness, translated from the Hebrew word koshek, we will see more of that. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the spirit of Elohim was hovering over the face of the waters. 
Thus, notice from the scriptural record, darkness was here first. Darkness was here first. Let us remember that. Let us remember that principle. It was dark in verse 2. Afterward, Yahweh created light in verse 3. Reading verses 3 through 5. Then Elohim said, Let there be light, and there was light. And Elohim saw the light, that it was good, and Elohim divided the light from the darkness. Elohim called the light day. There's our term yom again from the Hebrew text. And the darkness, or koshek, he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day, yom. Additionally, in response to the assertion that Yahweh did none of his work at night, there is no reason to limit Yahweh to working only during the daytime, as both the day and the night are his. And once again, don't forget about Psalm 74, 16. The day is yours, the night also is yours. Let's move down to verse 5. The morning theory asserts Genesis 1-5 as a proof text for the scriptural day beginning at morning light. Verse 5 says, Elohim called the light day, and the darkness he called night. In this case, night comes from the Hebrew term lila. So the evening and the morning were, were the first day. The morning theory asserts this logic. Elohim called the light day. Therefore, light equals day, and day equals light. And the darkness he called night. Therefore, day does not include night because darkness is night. Since light equals day and does not include night, a day must begin at first light. That is the morning theory position. An additional morning theory challenge concerning Genesis 1-5 asks this question. Is it possible for the same verse to use the same word, yom, to denote the light called day in one case and a 24-hour day in the second case? The answer to this challenge is, yes, it is possible. A day can refer to daylight, and it can also refer to the 24-hour calendar day. Remember our principle that context determines the application. Do not overlook that Genesis 1-5 declares that the evening and the morning were the first day, thus describing the 24-hour scriptural calendar day. Remarkably, every time Genesis 1 defines a creation day, six times, verses 5, 8, 13, 19, 23, and 31, it states that the evening and the morning were a day, a yom, thus describing the 24-hour calendar day and that the scriptural day begins in the evening. Here are those verses. I won't read them all. But once again, you can see that beginning with verse 5 at the top of the list, the latter part of it says, So the evening and the morning were the first day. And if you follow down that list, you can see that term repeated, or see that phrase repeated for the second day, for the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, and the sixth day. Accordingly, the seventh day of the creation week would not have suddenly jumped the track and began at a different time than the previous six days, nor would it have consisted of day only. 
Like the other six days of the week, the Sabbath also consists of evening and morning, a 24-hour period. Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, Elohim ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then Elohim blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which Elohim had created and made. When we're looking at this evening-morning concept, let's compare this to another passage of Scripture found in Daniel 8, verses 14 through 26. This passage contains Daniel's 2300-day prophecy, and it describes days as evenings and mornings. Reading verse, beginning with verse 14, And he said to me, For 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. I want to pause there and note that the New King James Version text note for 2,300 days says literally evening mornings. Additionally, the New American Standard Bible, the New International Version, and the Revised Standard Version all say evenings and mornings here instead of days. So they, they follow what is in the Hebrew text. Plus, notice verse 26 for verification, and this is still even in the New King James Version. Verse 26 says, And the vision of the evenings and mornings... So not just the term days here, but the vision of the evenings and mornings, which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. Evenings and mornings refers to days. So if Genesis 1 does not provide enough proof by explicitly labeling days as evenings and mornings six times, then how about 2,300 more times in Daniel 8? In his 2300-day prophecy, Daniel endorses the understanding that a scriptural day consists of evening and morning, a 24-hour period, and shows that 2300 days refers to many such 24-hour periods. Contrarywise, the Dayspring article, page 14, states, quote, Daniel the prophet was stunned by a vision of 2300 evenings and mornings, an apostasy so incredible in scope that it would pervert the times and the law almost beyond imagination as it trampled truth to the ground. Have we been duped into an evening and morning observance of the seventh day, which is commanded nowhere in Scripture? The author answers in the affirmative. End quote. In response to this, I would say, however, using this reasoning, Daniel would also have been, quote, stunned, unquote, at a reading of Genesis 1, which contains similar evening and morning terminology six times. The notion that Daniel's 2300-day prophecy is against the scriptural day beginning in the evening is, again, out of context. Instead, this passage provides evidence that the scriptural day starts in the evening. Let's shift down to verses 14 through 19 now, still in Genesis 1. 
The Dayspring asserts the following on page one. Quote, the greater light, the sun, is prepared first. Afterwards, the lesser light, the moon, is prepared by Yahweh. This order further proves the day begins at dawn and that day followed by night together comprise a full, complete day, end quote. I would note here that even the Dayspring author here admits that day and night together comprise a full, complete day. Day and night together comprise a full, complete day. Let's look at this scriptural passage, Genesis 1, 14 through 19. It reports, Then Elohim said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. So he said, Let there be, and it was so. Verse 16, Then Elohim made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Elohim set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And Elohim saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Let's observe that nowhere does Scripture specify that the sun was created first and afterward the moon. However, for the sake of examining the argument, assume for a moment that the sun was created before the moon. If so, this still does not prove that the scriptural day begins with first light. As noted previously, darkness was here first, referring back to Genesis 1, verses 1 through 2. Plus, Three morning evening, uh, excuse me, three evening morning cycles of the creation week had already occurred before the creation of the lights on day four. Some may question how three evening morning cycles occurred before the creation of lights on the fourth day, but Yahweh is the Almighty, and He has the power and radiance to furnish light in and of Himself when and where needed. Let's examine a couple of comparison scriptures. Isaiah 60, 19 through 20. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor the brightness shall the moon, uh, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you. But Yahweh will be to you an everlasting light, and your Elohim your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for Yahweh will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Also, let's hop over to Revelation 22.5. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for Yahweh Elohim gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So our Almighty Yahweh is more than capable of furnishing light in and of Himself. Next, we're going to look at something that I call word order. And we'll jump over to chapter 8, verse 22. Word order of the phrase day and night. Genesis 8, 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. 
And I want to first just throw in a little note here about this winter and summer as it's worded in the New King James Version. While the New King James Version has it in this order, winter and summer, the Hebrew text itself has the reverse word order, summer and winter. Moreover, several English translations faithfully follow the order of the Hebrew text, such as the King James Version, the New International Version, the Revised Standard Version, and the New American Standard Bible, and others. Let us now examine the significance of this word order. The morning theory asserts that the word order day and night reveals the sequential order of the scriptural day, starting with daylight followed by night. The rebuttal is Genesis 8.22 uses a figure of speech called antithesis, which is the contrast of opposite words. Accordingly, this verse emphasizes cycles of events, not order of events. The Hebrew text, which we'll see on the next slide, confirms that the correct interpretation is cycles of events, not order of events. So here is a Hebrew-English interlinear. It has the Hebrew text on one line, the English text on the line beneath. And as you can see, if you follow the text, the Hebrew text goes from right to left, so we have to follow in that fashion. You can see over here that in the Hebrew text, it says, and cold and heat. Cold is mentioned before heat. And then the next phrase is, and summer and winter. There we have summer mentioned before winter. Comparing these two phrases, the first mentions cold before heat, but the second phrase, summer and winter, reverses the order, referring to heat before cold. Thus, this verse does not establish order of events. Instead, it emphasizes cycles of events. Moreover, in Genesis 1, the evening-morning order was already established in the beginning. The evening and the morning were the first day, the second day, and so on. While some scriptures order the words as day and night, numerous others have the reversed word order of night and day, evening to evening, or other similar wording. Thus, many contradictions would exist if word orderings were to define when the scriptural day begins. Consequently, the morning theory system of word order interpretation fails the test. Instead, scriptures that actually define the scriptural day serve as the evidence, such as when days were established in Genesis 1. And so back up there to that second bullet point under rebuttal. While some scriptures have the word order day and night, numerous others have the reversed word order of night and day, evening to evening, or other similar wording. And I have numerous examples of this. Of course, I won't try to read them all, but I would like to display them just to, just to make us aware of how many, how many scriptures there are that mention day and night and then also the reverse word order. And I actually thought, there, there we are. I finally got my mouse to show up there.
And I accidentally skipped Thursday fast. Sorry about that. Well, I beg your patience. For some reason, the text in my document jumped way back. Um, Okay, finally. Sorry about that. So here we go. These are biblical texts with day-night word order. And for your convenience... I've highlighted where the words day or days and night or nights occur in these passages. And so if we start down through the Bible, beginning at the first part in Genesis and then just progressing through, uh, for example, the first one is Genesis 7, 11 through 12. Verse 12 says, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And we go right down through many, many scriptures. I'm just going to scroll through these to display them. Many, many times we have verses that mention this day-night word order. Coming down to 57 passages. Next, we have biblical texts with night-day word order. Going back to Genesis 1-5, so the evening and the morning were the first day. We have all of those verses there that we've looked at previously. And again, just scrolling through the list, we'll see numerous passages that speak of the night and then the day. 31 of those passages. So as you can see, going about to establish the doctrine of when a day begins by word order that's found in certain verses uh, is not the correct establishment of this doctrine because there are so many verses that say one and so many verses that have the reverse order. And bear with me once again while I get back to my correct slide. So once again, we just need to be aware that many scriptures have the words day and night. Numerous others have the reversed word order. So with that covered, I'd like to move on now to the book of Exodus. Specifically, chapter 10, verse 22. This passage talks about the plague of darkness, and it talks about how darkness was in Egypt for three days. Exodus 10, 22. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness, our Hebrew term koshek, in all the land of Egypt three days. This is the Hebrew word yamim, which is the plural of yom, which is the Hebrew word for day, as discussed earlier. Darkness was in the land of Egypt for three days. But the morning theory asserts that darkness is night, not day. As always, the usage depends on the context. In this case, darkness was in Egypt during a period that involved three 24-hour calendar days.
Moving on to Exodus 12, verse 29, and also Numbers 3, 13. This talks about the day that Yahweh struck the firstborn in Egypt. Looking at Exodus 12, verses 12 and 29, it says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the Elohim of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am Yahweh. And it came to pass, when? At midnight, that Yahweh struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. Compare that to Numbers 3.13. Because all the firstborn are mine, on the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. They shall be mine. I am Yahweh. At midnight in Exodus confirms that the day mentioned in Numbers that Yahweh struck the firstborn in Egypt refers to the 24-hour scriptural day, which includes night. At midnight was part of the 24-hour scriptural day. Let's move on to Leviticus. Several of these passages are just uh, short observances of many different places in Scripture, but in Leviticus 8.35, we have the phrase, day and night for seven days. This was during the consecration of Aaron and his sons to the service of Yahweh. Moses instructed them, Therefore you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting day and night for seven days. And keep the charge of Yahweh so that you may not die, for so I have been commanded. Day and night for seven days refutes the assertion that Yom is day only, and further underscores that the scriptural day is a 24-hour period. Moving on in Leviticus chapter, uh, 2, chapter 23, verses 27 through 32, this passage speaks of the Day of Atonement. Leviticus 23, verses 27 and 32. It says, Also the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to Yahweh. Dropping down to verse 32, it says, It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month at evening, from evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. As shown in verse 27, the Day of Atonement is the tenth day of the seventh month. Verse 32 describes this tenth day observance as the ninth day of the month at evening from evening to evening. Thus, as the ninth ends in the evening, the tenth begins. This observance is one day from evening to evening, which denotes a 24-hour calendar day. Additionally, it is noteworthy that verse 32 declares the Day of Atonement a Sabbath of solemn rest. Like the weekly Sabbath, the Day of Atonement is a complete 24-hour Sabbath from evening to evening. And a little additional explanation on the morning theory position is this. Instead of recognizing that the 10th day of the month begins in the evening, the morning theory contends that the Day of Atonement requires a special directive to start fasting on the prior evening to ensure proper affliction of the soul. The rationale is that beginning the fast in the evening prevents the participant from filling his belly 
just before morning light to then fast only during the daylight hours. No such special explanation is needed when recognizing that the day begins in the evening and it's a 24-hour observance. Let's look at another significant passage, jumping over to the book of Nehemiah 13, verses 15 through 22. This passage speaks of Sabbath reform under Nehemiah. It describes Nehemiah's reform of Sabbath abuses. Verse 19 reports that Nehemiah enacted measures before the Sabbath began to prevent violation of the Sabbath. We read in verse 19, So it was at the gates of Jerusalem, as it began to be dark before the Sabbath, that I commanded the gates to be shut and charged that they must not be opened till after the Sabbath. Then I posted some of my servants at the gates so that no burdens would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Morning theory followers claim this verse supports their case as they allege that darkness had fallen, yet it was still before the Sabbath. However, please note the language began to be dark, translated from the Hebrew word salal, which means, quote, to shade as twilight or an opaque object, unquote. To shade as twilight or an opaque object. You know, we can have shade as the sun descends in the sky. It's much easier to find shade, say, when you're behind a building or behind a tree because it casts a shadow. Accordingly, the New International Version states, when evening shadows fail. Nehemiah, Nehemiah 13, 19 from the NIV states, when evening shadows fell on the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I ordered the doors to be shut and not opened until the Sabbath was over. I stationed some of my own men at the gates so that no load could be brought in on the Sabbath day. Let's also compare that to Jeremiah 6.4, which uses a related word, selel, for a time when the shadows of the evening are lengthening. Jeremiah 6.4, prepare war against her, arise and let us go up at noon. Woe to us, for the day goes away, for the shadows of the evening are lengthening. So Nehemiah described the process of the sixth day growing older and drawing to a close, and a new day, the Sabbath, then beginning. Thus, the Sabbath did not begin in the morning. Instead, it started in the evening. Nehemiah was a great reformer of the Sabbath, and notably, he did not observe it beginning in the morning or during the day only. Genesis 1 established the evening-morning order, the great reformer Nehemiah followed that order and observed the Sabbath. Now jumping over to the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 16. Esther's directive to her people was to fast for three days. She instructed her, her people to fast for three days, which included night and day. Let's notice the verse, Esther four sixteen. Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. The phrase for three days, night or day, demonstrates Esther's understanding that the scriptural calendar day includes night. 
Notably, this observance was not during the daytime hours only. Moving over to Proverbs, let's look at chapter 4, verse 18. Proverbs 4.18, it says, The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The day spring here asserts, quote, This shows the light of dawn marks the start of a new day, while the full day does not occur till noon. The first trace of the light of dawn heralds that a new day has indeed commenced. End quote. Response, in context, This verse does not define the beginning of a scriptural day. Instead, it compares the path of the just to the gradually increasing magnitude of light produced by the sun, which is actually pretty exciting that we ought to be a people who blossom forth and shine forth just like the sun shines forth in its increasing intensity. Let's compare a few verses now, jumping over to the newer writings in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 35. Mark 1, 35 says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, speaking of Yeshua, and there he prayed. The morning theory asserts that the scriptural day begins in the morning at daybreak. However, according to Mark, Morning can be, quote, a long while before daylight, end quote. Another statement in Mark made by our Messiah, chapter 14, verse 30. Yeshua said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Speaking, of course, to Peter there. If day only means daylight, there is a discrepancy here. Yeshua's terminology shows that he recognized that day includes the entire 24-hour scriptural calendar day in this context. We can also compare Matthew's and Luke's accounts, which confirm that the calendar day includes night. Matthew states this night, while Luke says this day, Matthew 26, 34. Yeshua said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Luke twenty-two thirty-four says, Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Well, which was it, night or day? Well, it's explained by the fact that the scriptural day comprises a complete day of 24 hours. 